All right, this is all right. Here goes nothing, I guess. All right. <laughs> all right. Welcome to the first episode of Of Two Minds, a podcast created by me, Patrick, and my good friend here, Walter. Walter. Or Wally. <laughs> Walt, Walgar, Patgar, whatever, whatever anybody prefers. Whatever you want to call us. All right. So, who are you? Hi, I am Wally Gray. I am a uh, biology major at Shippensburg in my junior or senior year. I'm not quite sure anymore. <laughs> who are you? Me. Well, I am at a different college and place in life, but I am Patrick Kirby. I, we're both from Pennsylvania, and I go to St. Francis University. I'm in my sophomore year there, which is a little bit blurred just like yours, but I'm pretty sure it's a sophomore year. Yeah, I'm not quite sure anymore what year I'm in. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I the credits that we've been through has been a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a mess. Yeah, very much so. But our passion for biology is actually what got us on to this uh, doing a podcast. We actually met at a McDonald's where we both worked. Yeah, that's and we go ahead. <laughs> Oh, and we would quite often talk about sciences, technology, politics, anything of the sort. But college took me in a different direction, so I had to move out of the area. So this is how we're going to do it now. So yeah, instead of bothering our coworkers, we're going to bother anybody that wants to listen to this episode. <laughs> That's right. All right. I didn't mention, but I am also a bio major at my respective university. I'm trying to go for a pre-med concentration. And possibly a double in computer science, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And my concentration is actually more leaning towards uh, biotechnology with uh, an interest in pathogenic microbiology, which is the study of disease causing organisms or pathogens. So basically, you want to study scary things for the rest of your life. (laughs) Pretty much, yes. All right. And I hope... Go ahead. Oh, well, I, in my career, I'm not really quite sure what I want to do with it yet. Probably something more towards clinical medicine, but I also like virology and, you know, the study of disease and the study of also scary things. Yeah, my career goal is to land with the CDC or any other immunological lab, essentially. All right. Is that is that going to take you far away or would you rather just kind of stay in this area? Well, by this area, if you mean Pennsylvania, uh, right now my two most prospective options are Georgia or Colorado. Those are two of the CDC's big labs. So you're going to end up out there, basically. <laughs> Way out where? Who knows? Oh, yeah. All right. So there'll be enough talk for this in like a million other episodes, hopefully. Hopefully. So, yeah. So, yeah, should we tell about our little story at McDonald's a little bit more? Yeah, might as well get into that a little bit. All right. Well, I mean, Wally was working there. You've been working there. You worked there, what, a total of seven years? Eight years. Eight years. I've been there almost four now. So he was already quite in his tenure by the time I got there. <laughs> halfway through my career. Yeah, halfway through his career. And being as we were both kind of high school college-ish students in and out of that definition 
we always worked at night. So we always, you know, got that boring time sometimes whenever no people come in and want our lovely food. And we'd end up just talking about whatever. Yeah. And a lot of times it did lead to very in-depth scientifical conversations. To the point where it would irritate everybody around us. <laughs> exactly, because they just don't understand. Yeah, people would tell us to shut up. People would leave the area. <laughs> they would send us on a break or home if they got sick of listening to us. <laughs> that is very true. Good way to get sent out of home. But essentially, that's what led to this. So it's actually uh, Patrick's idea. He wanted to start a podcast so we could continue our talks on science and politics. It was half so, of a way to continue the discussion now that we're not in the same area. But half of it was literally just, oh, random idea. <laughs> and whenever you bid on it, I was like, well, all right. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good idea. I mean, hey. People want to listen to it, they can listen to it, and if not, we still get to sit here and talk about what we enjoy, so. Yeah, it's kind of a win-win. Not very much, though. After we get through meeting each other again, because I already knew all this stuff so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's four years of working with someone, you get to know them pretty well. Yeah, you do, actually. So, yeah, that was that, and I actually, as soon as we started toying around with these ideas, I found this app called Anchor advertising on the app store and i was like well this kind of like a calling this is an answer to my question of how do we even do this so this is kind of our starting platform it took us a few months i'd say about a few months to really get the ball rolling and get everything set up and figure everything out for it but i think we're on a good track and we have some topics planned to discuss so yeah, we've been we're both pretty busy with school and still with work. And I, have, last week was our you know first week to do this, but obviously I sounded like worse than death itself. So figured it would be better to wait. Yeah, definitely. And tonight work. I mean, I'm off Thursdays, so yeah, Thursdays I have. I actually just came from my bio lab and I got a few things done, and then here I am. I had a my cell biology lab this morning. We were actually. We're going to be working with a uh, glycoma culture, which is a brain cancer. That's kind of cool. It's a 35-year-old strain. Because cancer doesn't die, right? Cancer is biologically immortal. Interesting. So I guess we should probably go into that, too. What classes are you currently taking? Like, What is on your your mind and your day-to-day basis? Uh, currently, I am taking uh, cell biology, which I just mentioned, which is lecture and a lab. I am taking endocrinology, or the study of the endocrine system, the hormones, glands, uh, things of that nature. And then I'm also taking uh, geography of the U.S. and Canada, which has nothing to do with my major. <laughs> Not um, at all. No. I was supposed to get into organic chemistry, but they're screwing around with my... Uh, credits I got over the summer from another school, so I'm still fighting with them on that. So you have three classes right now, though, plus lab. Yeah. So not even technically a full semester. So it's a pretty light load for you, but just not on purpose. Yeah, not on purpose. I had a full semester planned, but it did not go the way I wanted it to. But anyway, what, uh, what classes are you taking this semester? All right, so, so at the moment, um, 
I'm, I have a little bit geared towards my major, but I have, I'm taking Calc, which I'm actually retaking it. Um, so I want to get a better grade in that for the future. I'm taking accounting, which has nothing to do with anything that I want to do in life, but I like business, so I figured it would be a good start. If I ever want to take other classes, I need this one. Um, I'm taking a, a first-year seminar class that I missed my first year of college, which is actually Accidental Unethical Discovery. So that one is very geared towards bio, surprisingly enough. It, it's about a lot of the things that, you know, shouldn't have happened, but again, should happen because, you know, they help the world. Um, aside from that, I have my bio. It's an intro, like kind of like molecules and cells. It's an intro. It's another class that I missed. I've taken more upper level bios before, but it's kind of just a general looking at cells and looking at, you know, the molecules. And I also am taking general physics, which is just as fun as it sounds, and a drumming class. <laughs> so mine is all over the board right now. <laughs> very much so. Well, I'm actually, I'm very later into my college years. So I'm actually, majority of classes are geared towards the major. Now, endocrinology, I don't really have any specific interest in the endocrine system, but it was a biology elective and I needed it, so. Does it interest you now that you take it or do you still have no interest in anything clinical? I mean, it's not bad, but ultimately I don't really have an interest in clinical. My interest lies in disease. Okay. Disease and disorders. What You said you had a lab for the endocrinology class? Uh, no, actually, endocrinology does not have a lab. Oh, that one doesn't have a lab. The only lab, lab I have is uh, cell biology. Okay, I thought you said you had both. That's, I mean, that would be a fun lab, honestly. <laughs> yep. From my perspective, in my, my last semester, I was actually at a branch of Penn State, and whenever I was there, I, did, I had a bio upper-level bio class, and we focused on each organ system after we got through a whole bunch of plant facts. And one of them was the endocrine system, and it's extremely fascinating, I found. It's just... There's so much to it. It is. Um, I took a human physiology course last semester, and we did do a little bit of the uh, endocrine system. And it is, it's very fascinating, and there is a lot to it. It's, with the glands and it's the a hormones. Lot to remember. That, it, it really is. And then you, have, you get into even smaller things like uh, cyclic AMP, for example, which is a secondary messenger which helps relay messages from certain molecules that cannot get into the cell. Okay. So that's like, is that where you're at in this class right now? I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, well, that we touched on that briefly. That's something I actually learned about in one of the uh, general biology courses. We talked about cyclic AMP. Okay. I have yet to get too much of that. One of the big things that I did really, really focus on in my last semester was the nervous system. That that is very in depth as well. It really is. I mean, the axons are very in depth with uh, the dendrites and the myelin sheath. And there's just so much to it and so much going on in one spot. Yeah, I. We should probably have a little bit of a side note of you know, everything we say is like fact to our knowledge, but we're not doctors. <laughs> No, we're not doctors nor scientists. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we should mention that. Like, we're not anything yet. It's kind of like if you, you know, do anything in a hospital, they're not going to let you touch anybody unless you have a degree. That's kind of us. <laughs> Learned along the way or research on the internet. 
yeah feel free if i don't know if comments are a thing in this or not but if we have anything that anybody would like to add to or correct feel free to you know do that we are not fake news <laughs> we're gonna lose half of our well yeah <laughs> um i guess before we get into like the discussion of this week what other topics do you wish to talk about on this show there mr walter that. did it cut out again I discuss this week uh, what other, today what other topics would you be interested in discussing on here because i know we've toyed around with some ideas but what can our listeners expect um literally anything especially science related if there's a new breakthrough in science that's probably something we'll talk about Okay. And if there is a comment section, anything they want to hear about, we can always do the research. Something preferably biology. I completely agree there. And then once it comes around to like political seasons, I'm sure we'll probably get into some political discussions. Okay. I was thinking political discussions would be good occasionally towards, you know, that time of the year. Yeah, yeah. Not not like all around political discussions, mainly just science yeah we don't want to wear people out yeah and when when it comes to science they give us ideas absolutely and pretty much that's how so i think it should go because i know we already have uh this week today's topic planned okay it's a good one oh yeah we have a couple little topics today i included in the show notes too yep and close i figured we could kind of branch out towards more was some technology too it's just kind of everything that we're interested in yep pretty much anything we're interested in i'm sure there's other people who are interested in it as well and you might oh, just learn a thing or two yeah exactly and we're gonna try to be educational exactly with our main topic today i actually do have a few branching points off of that that i would like to discuss all right so i guess we'll start that out and i'm gonna ask you our virus is alive conventionally the conventional definition no viruses are not considered living beings mainly just because they do not meet all seven characteristics that define life okay Uh, i mean some of those characteristics being you know growth um you can probably help me fill these in growth um having a cellular share they also do not reproduce on their own Okay. So you have to have a host cell for that. Hard to classify viruses as any of those things that you know we mentioned. Um, um, viruses also do not maintain homeostasis. Okay. And what exactly is homeostasis? Uh, it's when you maintain internal... Um, something of the word here. <laughs> like the internal living conditions of an organism. Essentially, yeah. It's when you... Like okay. hard, we maintain that internally. We do it on our own. We don't need an outside source to keep us going. Okay. So what you're saying is viruses can't do that. No, viruses have no. They have no organelles. All they really are is, for the most part, now there are different types of viruses, but for the most part, a virus is just a capsid, which is a protein uh, capsule. And then okay. it has DNA or sometimes RNA inside of it. Aside okay. from that, it doesn't have 
a cytoplasm. It doesn't have any other organelles or anything of the such. Now, they are capable of movement, though, correct? Uh, most viruses, yes. So the question is if they can move and, you know, there are more of them in the world. You know, it's not like once they die, they're gone. They do replicate. Um, why, why aren't they alive? Um, literally, the only reason they're not considered alive is literally just because they do not meet the characteristics of life. So if scientists would conclude that they are, they would have to change the characteristics of life. Okay. Now, from what I have read on this a little bit, there are actually some scientists that do consider them alive. So yes, I guess it's are, a because... little bit up for debate there. A lot of um, scientists actually think that they are pretty much like early evolutionary stage. Okay. Like they haven't evolved much, and they're very, very primitive at that case. But a lot of the argument that's made is the fact that they contain DNA. They have the building block of life. Okay. And they are able to go to a cell or a bacteria or another host, and they're able to inject their DNA, and then it'll go into the host, and that's how it replicates itself. Okay. So what you're saying is everybody kind of has their own opinion on this when it comes to where they came from. Essentially, yeah. There's a lot of research still being done on viruses. Okay. So in the future, who knows? From what I did, I just, I, we posted an article in the show notes here. It's actually from um, Nature. It's an article of Nature Education, and I've been going through it. I actually had to read this for one of my classes, and it actually, you know, it brought forth three different hypotheses that, you know, say where they could have, you know, come from. And one of them was kind of like what you said, too, is, it's, you know, one of them is, for instance, it's referred to as a progressive, and it says that there were these, gene you know, these genetic elements, these DNA and RNA that gained motility. And that's what you know, are able to move. So they didn't meet all the characteristics, but they met enough that they could survive and proliferate. And that does make sense. I mean, because when you think about it, Life, anything that's living does contain DNA. Okay. So viruses do, for the most part, contain DNA. So, so that's this, one of the blocks of life right there. So in this one, basically, you know, in a, in a very simple term is, you know, there were organisms and there were, you know, the DNA in those organisms. And the DNA in those organisms, you know, however many millions, billions years ago, escaped, basically. And have since been able to form their own beings. So it's sort of like the opposite of uh, endosymbiosis. I, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's almost as if they left a cell and, you know, became it's their own thing. And part of the cell, they, one theory is they actually left the cell and became their own thing. So, yeah. Um, another one of them is, I don't know if you've ever heard of these in your classes, another one's called the regressive hypothesis. And that one, they actually say that um, let me just read up on this a little bit because it's. I want to get the t the terms right. But to kind of quote the article a little bit more, not exactly word for word, but it basically says that these, you know, the viruses evolved from other organisms that lost the genetic information. So they basically went from being, you know, they evolved separately, or they evolved from the same, you know, organism 
separated and now are have like a parasitic approach to their you know way of life it's an interesting theory so i mean it, it supports the idea that you know viruses aren't I mean, it's hard to say this in a biological standpoint, but many people would say that they're not really good for much. They are parasites. Would you agree or do you think they um, have some value? Actually, there are some that can be shown. There's something called viruses. A helper virus. Okay. A lot of them do cause, a lot of them are pathogens to do but then have but I have read up about it and I do know that there are some beneficial satellite okay so what you're saying is as a whole though most of them are some out there that can be beneficial to yes but for the most part yes they are pathogens and parasites okay do you I have, to, I have to ask you this this takes us back in time a little bit in our schooling but do you remember learning about the bacteriophage in high school if it, the bacteriophage yes yeah, so, so technically i believe that was the one that they discovered that was actually able to kill a lot of the cholera uh, cholera bacteria i should say So technically, there, that's a surefire way to show that some of them do have some value. DNA that they want, and then that virus can go infect the host cell, and then it'll act as a in that sense and then by doing that it'll actually make the host cell produce the gene that they need so what you're saying is we hijack viruses it's one way they actually do it and it that's actually beneficial on a clinical standpoint because that's a lot of times how they treat certain diseases so really what you're saying is here we hijack viruses that then hijack cells yeah, more or less. So it's a double hijacking in order to make people healthier. Yes, because instead of the instead of the virus putting in DNA, which will make the cell create more viruses, it'll put in a specific gene, possibly one that's missing or damaged from that cell, okay. and then that cell can replicate itself with that gene. Okay. So so looking ahead, you know, imagination here in the future we could, in theory, use viruses as spare genetic parts. In theory, yes. I mean, in theory, they could go into, like, say, an embryo that's forming, and if they can get a sample of the DNA and they can do a karyotype on it or whatnot, they can test for any genetic diseases, and then they can implant the gene of that they need mm-hmm. and, in theory, cure genetic disorders. So in this little span of a couple little breaks here, we've just discovered that viruses aren't the worst thing on Earth. No, they're not. Because they're not even the only uh, non-living pathogen either. What do you mean by that? 
um, there's something called a viroid, okay, which is similar to a virus, but believe it or not, it's a lot smaller. It does not have a protein capsule, and it actually pretty much only affects higher order plants. I've actually heard about these in my one medical book I read. And then there's also uh, uh, prions. Prions, okay. And those, those are more of just infectious proteins, if I remember correctly. Yes, they are uh, misformed or misfolded proteins that are actually a cause of a lot of neuro- neurological disorders. So whenever you look at a microscopic or even smaller than that level, there's a lot more scary things in the world than what you see. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. Because even uh, even a um, uh, just a virus, you actually need a very powerful microscope to even see that. It's it's kind of funny. I've seen a lot of posters in my recent school years that will show a virus. Excuse me, a, a bacteria the size of you know, someone's shoe or a water bottle. Virus compared to the bacteria is maybe the size of a fingernail. Yep, and then that bacteria is actually a lot smaller than a eukaryotic cell. Yeah, bacteria are extremely, I'm sorry, yeah, viruses, you know, are extremely, extremely and then you small, think, as well as bacteria. And then viroids are smaller than viruses. They're actually the smallest known pathogen. So basically, you can't get any smaller than that if it's going to cause That damage. they know of. Until you're literally making radioactive isotopes with all these atoms that make up these things. <laughs> Which isn't quite easy and is a little bit out of, out of thin air. Yeah, that's a completely different thing right there. But, uh, okay, well, before we trail to... Another little fun fact. A virus that's free-floating, so if it's not in a host cell, it's actually called a viron. Have you ever heard of the virus-first hypothesis? I'm not actually sure. Well, this one, I, it, it goes along with the progressive and the regressive. I mean, the progressive, just to remind everybody, you know, that was saying that, that it was the escape hypothesis. It's also known that you know, DNA and RNA was able to escape other organs. And then you have the regressive that basically said that you know, kind of evolved separately, but was more like we're going to be parasites now. We're not going to be real organisms. The virus first one that came before other, you know, prokaryotic life, eukaryotic life as we know it. So they're essentially theorizing that instead of a like prokaryotic cell being the first life form, it was actually a virus. Yeah, it basically says that you know the other one, you know, say that there was there were cells and then viruses. This one says that viruses were the beginning of life. So primitive. I mean, that would actually make a lot of sense because literally they're just a protein capsule with DNA or RNA. Okay. So, and I mean, if they, it's also a combination of the people might say, well, why they're parasitic and why would they not agree? It's kind of like what it's are also they... a very good point. If they, because they can't reproduce on their own, they need a host cell to reproduce. Yeah. Think about it. 
you know, it would be like somebody wanting to somebody wanting to get a dog, a bunch of dogs to sell them. You could have a little dog infect a big dog, and then the big dog would make a ton of little dogs for them. And that's kind of what viruses do. Odd analogy, but yes. It's that's... a very odd analogy, but it's kind of like, you know, that's the way it is, though. I mean, they can hijack another cell's parts and then make tons of them themselves, you know? Yeah, like, like you were saying about um, bacteriophages. Okay. Essentially, they inject their DNA into the bacteria, and then bacteria don't – they just have the uh, the free-floating plasmids, which are linear DNA strands. So essentially, the DNA from the bacteria will incorporate itself into the – or I'm sorry, the DNA from the virus mm-hmm. will incorporate itself into the plasmid, and then that gives the – the bacteria cell instructions to create all the parts for a new virus. And then once it creates thousands of them, it will lyse the cell. Pretty much it'll explode the cell so all the viruses can get out. So you were saying that virus DNA or RNA will incorporate itself into another cell's DNA? Yes, and then it gives that cell the genetic instruction to create the new the parts for new viruses. And then it'll create thousands of new viruses. And then the viruses will literally explode or lyse the host cell. Okay. So that's how those, the new viruses spread out and they find a new host and then they just continuously do that. So, I mean, you know, you could say it in the scientific terms or my clever dog analogy, but basically what you I have much to lose in life. They pretty much have nothing to lose because they're they don't really that's literally all they do. Yeah. Now another question you might be a little bit than I am is how do you how does a virus die? Um I mean different ways really. You can there's different I would imagine there's no, I don't know for hundred percent fact, but I do know you can kill them. So I don't know okay. if it's like I don't know if it's a certain chemical you can use or if it's maybe like a certain enzyme that will degrade the uh, protein capsule. Because kind of like how we have antibiotics, there is actually antiviral medication. Okay. Okay. From what I've learned... um... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So um, also like... (laughs) When you get the flu, your okay. immune system will create specific antibody, antibodies mm-hmm. to attack the viruses. So, so it'll be a topic for a later episode, but what you're saying is the immune system has a defense against these little buggers. Yes, pretty much. And the antibodies, there's actually a lot more science behind that and how they do what they do. Okay. But that's kind of, like you said, a topic for another episode. I guess that kind of shows that, you know, it kind of explains why viruses are such an issue in people's lives. Because you got to think if you have one of them and it can infect one cell, make thousands of itself, explode that cell and move on. It's an exponential growth to their reproduction. Yes. It's and that's when why- one of them makes a thousand, each thousand can make a thousand more. 
and they evolve so quickly. Like the flu virus, every single year, it mutates into a different thing. There are certain um, types of different types of viruses. Like when you think of the flu virus or any type of really influenza, it will incorporate itself into your cells, lice your cells, and then create thousands of clones of itself to infect other cells. Okay. But now, when you talk about HIV or um, the herpes complex, and I do believe a uh, human papillomavirus or HPV works in the same manner they'll actually lay dormant inside your nervous system. And I, I don't know exactly what happens, but something will end up triggering them, which will cause them to flare up and come out. So, for instance, that's why maybe... I'm sorry, you cut that's out there. Kind of- so, like, if you take advantage of your, you know, immune. Are we live? I'm having a lot of trouble hearing you. <laughs> I am too. Yep. It seems to want. Yeah, it does. I don't know why we're having so many connectivity issues. Definitely something we're going to look into. Yeah. Well, this is a good, good old proof of concept episode and it gets us started. That's true. And then hopefully this is the only one we're going to splice a bunch of different things together. And yeah, we could, we could try to get this all done. I imagine that I, do we both get a copy of these recordings? I, I don't know. I don't I think it's actually saving to mine, but I'm not sure. It seems to save to mine, too, so we might both get it. If that's the case, we could both kind of work on different sections as we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll have to see if it actually saves to mine, because I don't know. I don't know if it's going to or not. I don't know, because I don't, I don't know if it's going like, to count me as a co-host or just a guest. Okay, it should do as co-host because I'm technically, you know, whenever I call, I add you. So, yes, what to see? I'll definitely look at it on the computer and see if that or my iPad will be better. I'm thinking my laptop might be a lot easier to use. That might be good too, and mine as well. So what we're saying is, part of the interruptions for tonight. <laughs> Yes, technical difficulties. Very much so. But next week we'll make sure it's a lot better. Oh, yeah. We could at least send the viruses if you want. Yeah, absolutely.
I, what I was getting to is with asking those questions is it's kind of important to realize that, you know, the HIV virus is kind of like the main one that people know of. I mean, most people refer to it as age, which is actually what results from the HIV. But that's kind of like in society nowadays. Yes, very much so. And it's pretty much they have medication that can slow the progression of HIV, which honestly, I don't even know what that stands for. Something I'll have to look up. A human, but, I believe it is a human immunodeficiency virus, but let me double check on Oh, that would make sense. That does sound like it would be. Yes, human immunodeficiency virus and AIDS is autoimmune deficiency syndrome. Again, okay. let me check on that. Acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. I had that a little bit up, a little bit wonky. <laughs> And then another important thing to know is nobody actually dies from HIV or AIDS. Ooh, do explain. Um, HIV itself, the virus, and AIDS being just a syndrome, an issue with your immune system, uh, the HIV virus itself and AIDS being a syndrome, neither one of those are the actual cause of death. Okay. It's actually complications resulting from the AIDS. Because so, it corrupts our immune system, allowing other pathogens and other disorders to take hold. And those are the cause of death. So as I said earlier about the, you know, the common cold and things like that. So once you get a cold so many times, eventually it just wears down your immune system to the point where you can't fight off little things anymore. Pretty much, yes. Your immune system becomes focused on fighting the uh, influenza virus, and then it does take a wear on it. And then as the younger you are, of course, your immune system isn't built up as much. And then the older you get, the slower your immune response is. So that's why younger kids and elderly people tend to have a more of a mortality rate when it comes to influenza. You mean HIV, right? Oh, you were saying about the flu, but... Oh, geez, yes. We're, we're kind of along the same, the same lines there. Yeah, HPV or um, HIV, well, actually, well, if you get HIV, if you don't have enough money to buy the expensive medication for it, it will quickly develop into AIDS, and then you will ultimately die regardless of how old you are. But the, you know, the immuno, immunosuppressed, you could say, if someone had a transplant or if they're young or if they're old those are the people that, you know, fare worst from these, you know, viruses. Yes. So still, they're not good. <laughs> no, they're not. They can be used as vectors to transform. And they have other beneficial, beneficial, uh, characteristics. Oh. Characteristics, thank you. I was looking for a word. Okay. But all in all, no, viruses are not good. Okay. Well, interesting. I have one other question. This kind of brings us back to the old high school biology again. But so if a virus is, you know, a borderline, you know, biological entity, some people call it, then what about fire? I'm actually, I was thinking about bringing that up. Because technically, fire almost has all the characteristics of life. Fire grows. It it, uh, reproduces. It reproduces. It breathes. Okay. 
Yeah, fire maintains homeostasis. Okay. Uh, so that's four of them. It doesn't have cells, so that kind of is a little bit of an issue. Yeah, that's the big one right there. Fire does not contain cells. So there's maintain homeostasis, which it does. Reproduces. Okay. It breathes. Okay. It um, responds to stimuli. So if something does all this, how is it not alive? Because um, in order to be alive, by definition, you have to have all seven characteristics. You can't be missing any. Now, fire is missing cells. Okay. But I'm pretty sure, don't quote me, I'm pretty sure it has the other six. Now, I had all this written, written down, all seven characteristics of life, because I wanted to go over that on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. but then I forgot to grab the piece of paper. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so I Actually, can't remember them all, but... I do have them, I believe, right here. Let's give her a look. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll go over this in results to to fire and viruses, and then, obviously, you know, so cellular okay. basis. So, um, in order that it must contain cells, okay, and so, a cell being a cell or a bacteria being a cell, by definition, they do. But now, viruses do not have any cellular components, so they're not considered a cell, and fire does not contain cells. Okay, so that's kind of a big X there. Like, you can't say that either of them have cells. You know, yes, a you know, you, some people consider virus a. And, you know, obviously, okay, fire can burn cells, but it doesn't have anything of its own. Yes. Correct. So no DNA. Well, I mean, viruses obviously have DNA, but fire, of course, does not have DNA. You know, there's no, no cytoskeleton. There's no membrane. There's none of that. No. Okay. So basically, we can argue that neither of them are cells. Now, metabolism. Um, metabolism actually goes along with some some uh, books you read or some places you read will say metabolism and breathing so Oops, sorry metabolism is oh, that's right metabolism is any chemical reaction occurring metabolism is by definition a chemical reaction and in fires fires cases in fires case it chemically alters the properties of whatever substance it is pretty much absorbing, burning, whatever you want to call it. With, okay. Yes, that's better actually reacting with. And so it, by definition, would be considered metabolism. It is a chemical change, chemical properties. And viruses, I actually don't know for 100% if they do metabolize or not that i'm not sure of i don't know if there's any actual chemical reactions occurring i wouldn't imagine so though you could look at the way they dissolve a membrane of a you could consider that technically okay yeah i would say so but then also the other point of metabolism is some places uh also add in breathing okay. or some type of uh, respiration which fire does. Homeostasis in this hole, you know. Yes. And fire does maintain homeostasis. It has to maintain different heat levels. It needs oxygen. Viruses 
as far as I know, do not maintain homeostasis. There is nothing occurring yeah, within them. Kind of, I mean, they can technically, you know, not work in certain conditions, but they don't really do anything themselves. Yes, then themselves, I don't think they're actually considered as uh, maintaining homeostasis, but fire does. Okay. Okay, so here's the code. Obviously, viruses have DNA on it. Uh, fire does not have any sort of genetic basis. No. You know, those four there are, you know, pretty all over the place. Reproduction. Um, Both have that. Yes, but sort most, of. <laughs> most cases it's defined as uh, reproducing on your own. Either yeah, independently. Sexually. <laughs> Okay. Viruses require a host cell to reproduce. They can't do it by themselves. Okay. But fire, it does reproduce. So viruses obviously can reproduce, but not on their own. Fire reproduces sort of on its own, sort of with other things, you know, depending on your definition. True, true. I mean, technically, you need more of something else to create fire. I mean, it technically requires oxygen to replicate. So, I mean, so do we, though. So you kind of have to argue that. Yeah, you're right. And there's other, also with humans, there's other uh, characteristics to replication. Like, you need DNA. You need mitosis to occur, or meiosis to occur. Mm -hmm. You need to form the gamete. So there's actually a lot to it. Yeah, yes. so it's, it's not cut and dried for either. No. Okay. Let's see. How about growth? Both seem to... Well, fire seems to grow. I mean, it can easily get bigger. Fire does grow, yes. But viruses do not. Okay. So... They, as soon as they're built inside a host cell, that's the size that they remain. They're just all the same sizes. Well, that's that specific virus. Yeah, each virus is, you know, however many, uh, I believe they go by microns or nanometers. They're very, very tiny. Yeah, very, very tiny. Okay. But, and they don't actually grow at all. They maintain the same size they're at. Indefinitely. Yes. Okay. And the next one, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip homeostasis because that we kind of discussed that with metabolism. They're along the same lines, argue, you know pretty much yeah okay so this one is a little bit of a caveat too environmental interactions and you also have to look at that in an active sense as in it has to be able to actively respond to its environment would you say that fire and viruses both do that uh, i would say so yes because fire it spreads it searches okay. for new fuel I, mean, I guess you could say searches it moves and reacts to the if there's more, there's not enough oxygen, it will die. If there's okay. water, for the most part, it will die. Okay. So, but the you know, viruses, in the same sense, they also react to stimuli, re, uh, react to their environment, and the way that they search out specific cells. Some of them, some of them do go after multiple different cells, but a lot of viruses are fine tuned to a specific cell, a specific type of cell. Okay, so there's some basis there that they both pretty much, you know, will interact with their environment. I would say so, yes. 
Okay. Um, another one, this one's kind of a little bit of an issue. Uh, common biochemicals that make up, you know, human life. I mean, obviously proteins are, you know, what make up the protein code of a virus. Fire, a little bit hard to argue there. We have some audio difficulties, I think. <laughs> I, really don't know, I really don't know how to really describe fire. I, I, as far as I know, it's pretty much just energy. Yeah, it's kind of like it is the reaction. It's not really reacting. It is the reaction. Yes. So it I don't think it's made of anything, though. Yeah, it's more, um, it's the reaction, gives off light, produces heat. It's more of just a chemical reaction in and of itself. Yes, I would say so. I mean, you could technically burn, you know, biochemicals, but it's kind of just the reaction chain then, you know? Yeah, because I don't really know how else to define fire, really. I never really actually looked into that. I never really looked at... what is fire? Yeah, it's it's really hard to describe. When you think about it, really, it's just you know it's the resultant of a reaction. So it's really just technically light and energy. Pretty much, that's re- that's produced from a chemical reaction. Yeah. So I mean, it really isn't made of anything technically. No, I guess you could argue it's made of photons with the light. Yeah, but aside from it's not really made of anything. I don't want to say solid. Yeah, I'd say it's not really elemental. Yeah, it's kind of outside of that. Yes. So you'd need another, you know, another set of definitions to describe it. Yeah, you would. Okay, and the last one was a little bit of a question mark whenever I learned about it in my classes, but evolution. For viruses, that's pretty easy. Yes, they evolve. Yes, they, and that's very evident from just influenza. It evolves every single year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, there's enough of them. There's, it's kind of like, you know, you could literally watch them evolve in some ways because there's so many and they evolve so fast. Now, fire, on the other hand, I really don't, really wouldn't say it actually evolves. Yeah, like since the beginning of time, has it changed? I would honestly not really. argue not, no. Yeah, it, it really hasn't, it, in its core, it's the same thing as when, you know, supposedly we discovered it. Yeah, since man learned how to control it, more or less. Yeah, tamed it, if you will. Fire technically hasn't really in any definition evolved. No, it's I would al- say not. It's always been there, it's always been the same. Yes. That's always a- been, at its core, fire, energy and light. That's an interesting question there too. As whenever you look back in the grand scheme of things, you know, has fire ever actually changed? I I don't think so. I wouldn't imagine so. Maybe as long as the chemical properties necessary for combustion exist, it can exist. I would say so, yeah, because it's yeah, like, pretty much just a chemical reaction. Yeah, so as long as it's allowed to exist by, you know, the factors, it's it's there. Yeah, interesting. And of course, oxygen. So if you went to a planet that doesn't have oxygen, you'd have to burn something else. 
you know. Unless they, those planets had a type of fire that uses a different element. Yeah, some, some something that's combustible relatively easily, maybe. Yeah, like um, oxygen's a very volatile gas. Yeah, so it's very easy to react. Very much so. Very explosive, very... That's why you can't really have a fire in space. Yeah. It, or like in the, in the movies when a spaceship blows up and bursts into flames, that wouldn't actually occur. No. It's, I mean, if there were oxygen on it, technically, it could. Technically, yes. That's but why they, don't, they always say, you know, fire in space doesn't go very well because it burns everything it can. <laughs> but Yes, it does. It's only what's there. Exactly. Once okay. it gets in the void of space, it's just that. It's void. Yeah, it's a vacuum. It's nothing. Exactly. Which is really hard to think of and understand, especially here on Earth. That would actually be a very interesting topic as well. Yeah, what is space? What isn't space? Are we going to start being Vsauce for this thing? <laughs> <laughs> what is space? And we just go off on a Wikipedia rant about everything we know and learn everybody... <laughs> So much information that they can't think straight for the rest of the day. Exactly. That's our goal. <laughs> Very interesting stuff. Sorry about all the technical difficulties, but it's a start. So that's what we're going to start somewhere. And it's been yeah. actually a really interesting conversation about viruses. It has been. It's been. I miss talking to good old Walt. <laughs> oh, me too. We need a job at the same place again. <laughs> Definitely. In the future, we will. Cool, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess this. Yes. Hold on, it it cut out for me. <laughs> there we go. Of course, the struggle was real. Ah, uh, thank you, and oh. it's been very interesting, and, and we will talk again soon. Thank you, everybody. For- Yep, thank you very much. All right, bye, sir.